0: Duke fans, hello and welcome to episode 244 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We mentioned on the last episode that we will be back soon with something special, and we didn't have to wait 24 hours before we were able to do that. So earlier today, Duke men's basketball head coach Mike Krzyzewski answered some questions from the media, and we are here to break down the good parts. Before we do all that, you heard from us yesterday, quick intro, Donald Wine here, I'm still in D.C., I have left my couch since yesterday when we last recorded, but that was just to go to sleep and then return to said couch uh, today. I do have my friends with me, Sam Klein in Boston. Hello.
1: I am sitting in the same seat that I was sitting in yesterday, but I have moved once or twice since then.
2: Yeah,
0: just a couple of times. And Jason in Atlanta, hello to you as well.
2: I'm also seated in the same seat I was yesterday. I have gotten up to eat, go to the bathroom and sleep.
0: That's good. Those are all those are all necessary things for life Um, but let's get right into it earlier today as we record on Wednesday October 28th we had another Duke basketball media availability we've had quite a few over the last week but this one was special as coach K took to the podium to answer questions from the media on this year's team had a range of other issues and topics if you want to see the full interview it's about 30 minutes long you can go to the Duke basketball Facebook page and they have it up there for the purposes of this show, we're going to focus in on a few things involving the schedule, playing in the COVID era, and how this team's this year's team is shaping up. So, for the first segment, we're going to play some snippets from K. We begin with the intro from Mike DeGeorge, who's the executive director of communications for Duke Basketball. It helps us get onto these uh, Zoom calls with these players and coaches, and that's we love you, by, Mike. We love we, Mike. We really appreciate him <laughs> including us with all this, especially when, you know, you have Coach K come in and all the big guys want to come in and and steal the thunder. We still had Jason there. So we had the intro from Mike DeGeorge and it's followed by the intro to Coach K. Listen to that because Coach K starts out with a little joke and it kind of ties into what Mike DeGeorge was saying. And then we have questions from Steve Wiseman, uh, Aaron Beard, and Mark Armstrong on the craziness with the schedule and his general thoughts on what the NCAA has been doing or not doing to help get a season in safely. So here's Coach K. That way we have about uh, just uh, under 25 minutes with Coach this morning. So, Coach, again, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll open up for you for an opening statement.
3: Yeah, well, my statement's 25 minutes long, but uh, thank you for being on, and uh, it's good to see Weissman. Are, are you doing okay? You've had a lot, a lot had of a stuff happening. Thank you. Okay, that's good. But uh, hopefully every you and your families are all doing well. Uh, as a program, and my family, we're good in fact, really good. Uh, the kids came back, you know, that f- first of August. Uh, we did all the stuff we were supposed to do, started school. And at, at that time, we were in uh, one day a week testing. And since then, we get tested every day, the PCR test. And we haven't had any positives, uh, not just from our, our uh, team and our coaching staff, but also our, our whole basketball team, everyone, secretaries, trainers, every, everybody. So we haven't had any injuries, any problems at that. We've, you know, I think Duke athletics has done a marvelous job. Uh, a guy named Bob Weissman has been like, a, if I was in a war, he'd be one of my generals. I'll tell you that he's, he's really done this properly. And I think Duke's done a good job. Their decision to densify this first semester I think has proven to be a very wise decision and so we're we're just going to keep moving on and keep navigating as uh the landscape for college basketball continues to change so um welcome any of your any of your questions all right thank you coach uh we'll go to steve wiseman first steve Steve, go ahead yeah thanks hey uh coach how are you i mean how can you prepare for a season when uh, as far as the schedule like you know we're probably going to start November 25th I guess it looks like and well, we don't really know what it's going to look like from that point forward at this point publicly anyway how, how, how is that different how, how can you prepare for this this type of season well actually you know to be quite frank I think we're prepared better than we usually are because uh, our kids have been in a bubble uh, we've had you know the the extra time, even from going to four hours a week to eight hours for a couple weeks and now to the regular 20 hour week and not have any guys injured or or sick, they've gotten a lot of individual instruction and because they're kind of in uh, their own bubble, most of their classes are remote, they become really close as a unit. And then it's just a matter of how long can you maintain that without having any outside competition. In other words, we'll have to navigate whether, you know, what happens if games are canceled. I saw where the Gavit games were canceled uh, today or last night and uh, the MTEs in Orlando and things that, you know, I think we should have anticipated happening when uh, people were trying to put this thing together and how it could be done for safety and also for uh, the best possible season. But we continue to change week to week and we're going to have to navigate that because that's the the landscape and that we're in, and that's how uh, people have you know have really saw fit to. Uh, I hate to use the word lead because <laughs> I don't think it's leading. they are just made decisions that uh, this is how, the environment we're going to be in, and and hopefully by the time we do play that there will be national protocols medically for so that. Everyone who's playing against one another will be under the same medical protocols, and which I think are essential to, for the safety of, uh, of these kids. But we we'll, you know, we're good. Our guys are are good. I mean, but th- they all want to play, and we got to make sure that it, there's a safe environment and they have an opportunity to play. All
0: right, we'll go to Aaron Beard next. Aaron, go ahead. Hey, Mike, good to see you again. Um, uh-huh. Following up on that question
1: about scheduling, how difficult has it been the scheduling process of just putting something together amid everything going on?
3: Yeah, it's been really difficult for everybody. And now you put in another thing with those MTEs being canceled. Uh, you know, people are losing games. And John Jackson, who he and I work hand in hand in, in this, and he's, he's done uh, Yeoman's work in this regard. Really, the... Yeah, you know, cutting down from 31 to 27, I, it should have been where you just give 27 games, and you know. So we didn't do that. So then people tried to form their own MTEs, get into different things, and whatever. And now you can get into two MTEs. You can you're trying to figure out games. I, I just think the planning in that regard was not very very good. You know, once you cut down from thirty one to twenty seven, you should have just given everyone an opportunity to schedule and not worry about the MTs. And uh and we actually have formed our own uh because we had to and now it looked anyway, it's it's crazy. Yeah, uh, and where it could have been easy to just say, Everyone's got twenty seven, let's go and uh so John Jackson's been working like crazy to get it done. You know, right now we have pretty much what we think are, is a 27 games schedule, but we'll, we'll just wait till tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, and then the next day and the next day, and then you have to adjust accordingly. And, you know, when I was, uh, growing up in Chicago, we lived on a, in, in a Columbus park, uh, uh schoolyard and, uh, you know, on a Thursday, we could schedule a, uh, a game with the guys at Reese Park on Saturday and maybe the guys at Humble Park on Monday. So maybe we're going to get in there. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? So I'm going to check on those Reese Park and Humble Park guys to see if they're available in case we get, we get any cancellations. <laughs> crazy. I- it's crazy. Uh, Mike, you've been sounding the alarm since back in the summer about the necessity of locking
0: down a way to have the NCAA tournament. Uh, have you seen any tangible
2: steps forward to, to make that a reality?
3: Well, I think the NCAA already did that. They said what they were going to do. They they put a minimum of 13 games, so a lot of people have said, you know, any concepts we don't want to devalue the regular season there is no regular season you know like uh, from the very start this was not looked at as a time where we have a pandemic and there's not going to be a regular season the way we've had it and so the NCAA got a starting date and they have an ending date and nothing against them but that's the main thing they're concerned about you know then it really goes up to the conferences and you know, to figure it all out. And uh so we have that we're gonna have March Madness. We don't know how teams will get in. Uh we don't <laughs> we don't know a lot of things, but we know we're gonna have March Madness. We know we're gonna have a regular season. We just don't know much about both. And uh it's a hell of a way to run a railroad. <laughs> I, I get that was kind of the, the thrust of the question with the logistics. Have you seen it? I mean, you, you sound well, there like they really haven't seen yeah, yeah, there are none. I mean, there, there are none. And, and there w- I'm sure there will be, but even how you would choose, I mean, the selection committee has no idea of what they'll do right now and nothing against them. How could, how can they, you know, how can they? And uh, so let's just, keep navigating. It's a changing landscape. And uh, the military, we call it being agile leaders, Uh, the ability to show agility. And, and when you show agility, you should also show creativity. And since we're on a lot of those T's, we also should have sensitivity. And that's the key thing. We should have sensitivity to the kids playing the game and make sure that that's the key thing, in all of this, the sensitivity to the kids playing the game and making sure it's a safe environment and that everyone's doing it the same way medically, and uh, I'm all for that, in whatever way we can figure out or as we move, as as we move along.
0: Okay, guys, a lot to unpack there. Jason, like I mentioned before, you were present on the Zoom call, but you did not get to ask a question. Fortunately, this segment dealt directly with a couple of questions that we had been talking about and that you had meant to ask. So give me your takeaways from what you heard from Coach.
2: So the most interesting stuff, of course, is, you know, his talk about the the schedule. And, um, you know, by the way, he begins by saying what a great job. And we've talked about this a lot. He talked about what a great job that, that Duke has done controlling COVID. Um, and and I think Duke desperately wants to make sure that they've done a great job on campus, and when they leave campus or when they have other teams come to campus, they don't want things to be screwed up. Um, they don't want to ruin you know all their efforts with with you know letting their guard down at all. And and so you know Coach K talks about how confusing it's been. Um, you know it, you you can hear him essentially saying we we need a czar. We need. We talked about this in the last podcast. Coach K knows they need someone at the NCAA who can just dictate to everyone the proper way of handling things in these crazy times because no one can figure it out. Um, he, you know, th- these multi-team events, you talked about these MTEs, multi-team events that are collapsing left and right because different conferences have different protocols. My understanding is that the Big 12 and the SEC have very different protocols from some other conferences. I'm not saying that their protocols are right or wrong or anything like that. I'm not going to weigh in on that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a I'm not a health safety expert to know, but their protocols are different from a lot of other conferences. And so scheduling events that involve SEC and big 12 teams and some other different conferences that also aren't following the same procedures. It's just crazy. It's very difficult to figure out. And you heard from coach K that, you know, no one knows, you know, he at least at the very end there, Mark Armstrong's question I thought was really good about having an NCAA tournament. And coach K said, look, you know, at least the NCAA has said, we're going to have some kind of March Madness and teams are going to play at least 13 games and yay. But he's like, they've got no idea what's going on. Um, I think it's really telling that arguably the most powerful coach in the sport, if not the most powerful figure in the sport is, is freely admitting to the media, the NCAA, the selection committee have no idea what's going on because he has no idea what's going on. And we're less, we're three weeks, four weeks from the start of the season and no one knows what's happening. It's kind of crazy.
0: I will mention that just listening to the audio, he does it when you watch the video. He, you know, obviously has the Coach K face. He's very stoic. You, you can't really get a lot out of him. But in his words, in his tone of his voice, you can tell he's upset about this. You can tell that he is really, I, it's not flustered. But he's really, yep. he's really yeah, annoyed at the fact that he has to deal with this so close to the season. Where in previous seasons, we know our schedule in late late you know, late August, early, early September at the latest. And by November, we're fully into it. And right now we're less than three weeks away from the start of the season. And he has no idea if these games are going to go off as planned or what games have been canceled. Or if, if he's going to have a champions classic or even an ACC Big Ten challenge, which are two of the, the you know, as we've talked about two of the marquee non-conference games on that schedule, Sam, what did you see from, or what did you take away from coaches uh, coach's comments? All right, Jason
1: wants to be more politically correct about this than I do, which is to say that I I don't think that conferences should be adhering to to different protocols here. It doesn't make any sense. They're ultimately, they're all in the same country that has the same problem with coronavirus. Whether you are in a city that is currently going through its worst part of the pandemic or they're somehow in a lull, that's kind of irrelevant because as we've learned over the last few months. The situation in any given location can change month to month or week to week. So let's take everything that we've learned the last few months about how the thing spreads and who's vulnerable and and all that kind of stuff and distill it into a common set of rules. The NCAA has enough resources to pay a team of public health experts to figure this stuff out and then disseminate that instruction to to the conferences and then down to the individual schools. Yeah, yeah, but, the, but Sam,
2: Sam, really quick. The, the problem is there's no mechanism, at least to my knowledge, for the NCAA to say here are the rules.
1: Fine. There are no NCAA sanctions. You can. The NCAA can can have events that are like official team events, and they can say you know these are the events that are that are sanctioned by the NCAA these are the events that the student athletes are eligible for they they do control eligibility they can they can levy all kinds of punishments on programs who aren't following those rules and are and are scheduling things sort of outside of their their purview that's the point of the NCAA it's also you know it, it's there to run the NCAA tournament to disperse funds to all the conferences and to all the schools but but they're not really taking that leadership. And that is where Coach K's frustration is coming from. It mirrors, I think, what a lot of people are seeing in organizations and governments all over the place, that there is a lack of accountability and a lack of leadership around these things. And that causes the operators, the the, the Coach K's and, and, and the folks on his staff who are doing the scheduling, it causes them uncertainty about what they are supposed to do next because they don't have direction from the people that they expect to be getting direction from. It is a failure of leadership by the NCAA and by the conferences to not have really strict protocols in place here. And by the way, it's not just them that are doing this. We, we've we talked about some of the other sports that are going on. Yesterday, Major League Baseball somehow managed to wrap up its season. I was very pessimistic that that was ever going to happen. They went, I think, the last like two months without any COVID cases. And then on the last Day of the season, what ended up being the last game, game six of the World Series. It turns out that one of the Dodgers star players, Justin Turner, his positive COVID test came back in the middle of the game. So they pulled him from the game. They didn't stop the game because they were only they were only about half an hour from wrapping the thing up. They pulled him from the game. They still finished the game, despite the fact that he was out on the field with all the players and now all of them are, are potentially exposed. Then the Dodgers win the World Series, and Justin Turner comes running back out onto the field to celebrate with his teammates without a mask on. So who's in charge here?
0: Look, look, okay, we're going to go back to that because I knew, I knew we didn't have this on our, on our agenda to talk about. We will come back to the baseball thing but because we is- bring up some great points.
1: But that is, that is is exactly—and and look, it's not Justin Turner's fault. And it's not Dave Roberts, the Dodgers' man. It's none of those people's fault. It's the fault of the people upstairs, the, the people who are supposed to be running the show here. And it turns out that we're finding out through lots of different places in our society that, that leadership is absent. And, and I think it is—if if Coach K says, I can't do my job here because, because nobody's in charge, it's not— Coach K's job is not to run college basketball. His job is to run Duke men's basketball. Someone else is supposed to tell him tell him what the rules are, and and no one is doing that.
0: I mean, it's, it's passing the buck, but in the sense of everyone's passing the buck so many times that you don't know where the buck is going. And then all of a sudden, someone picks it up and puts it in their pocket. Now everybody has the same issue. But at the same time, like you said, there's so many people who are just sitting there kind of like, I mean – Conferences look, could do this, and the conferences could do that, and and they're looking to one guy, and one, and and he's standing in Indianapolis, twiddling his thumbs.
1: There may not be a right answer to this. I I admit, like to Jason's point, I am not a public health expert. I am not a doctor. Jason is not a doctor. Mark Emmert is not a doctor. Coach K is not a doctor. None of these people have have the requisite uh, uh, training or or experience to to do this. So go find somebody. There are tons of people working on this stuff right now. And, and it's top of mind for everybody. And at least we can say, look, we've got basically this whole year's worth of, of data on the spread of the virus and who it affects. Let's implement that and say, here's the safest way that we know to run college basketball. And guess what? If it turns out that there isn't a safe way to do it, if it turns out that there is not a way to do this that is consistent with the purpose of, of universities, don't do it. Like why why are we having why are we having this debate if it turns out there's not a safe way to do it and and I'm I'm not saying that that, is, that that is definitely the case but I don't think that that the leadership here is actually considering that and you can see it in the way that they're running football games they've had to move all these games around it's incredibly frustrating because I know that Duke as a university and the ACC as a conference stands for something more than this and and the the leadership structure that's in place to support all of this is not doing the thing that it needs to do
2: uh, look you ask why to do it if, it if you can't make it safe the answer is there's 900 million reasons why the 900 million dollars that the ncaa schools take from the ncaa basketball tournament alone to say nothing of how much all the schools get paid for televising and i'm not talking about fans in the stands because that's not going to happen but televising basketball games during the regular season. I don't know the exact number, I don't have it off the top of my head. Gotta be a minimum, you know, one and a half, $2 billion or something like that, that NCAA college basketball generates in a given year. My bet is it's somewhere in that kind of ballpark. The absurd thing, Sam, and you are 100% correct. And you could tell from Coach K's answers that he would agree with you absolutely. Someone needs to be in charge. Someone needs to be making the decisions for everyone. And the ridiculous part of all this is, and a half two billion dollars worth of revenue good god man find someone who can who can make the decisions make the right decisions and pay them because ain't no way you're paying them so much that it actually you know impacts your bottom line and what they're doing right now is they're putting that 900 million that one and a half billion dollars in danger um, and they don't have to there's a way to do it that's smart where that money's not in danger. And right now the NCAA is not being smart.
0: I, we could talk all day about how much the NCAA sucks when it comes to leadership. I do want to be more positive towards our school that we all love, Duke University. And the fact that I, I do want to commend the basketball program, the entire program for maintaining the safety of not just the players as coach K said not just the the coaching staff but the trainers the secretaries and everyone else who's associated with Duke basketball no positive tests from anyone in the Schwartz Butters building which is uh, simply remarkable given that how much they are together and you know the fact that they're still outside entities that that are penetrating that bubble daily that they've kind of created i think is a great thing and also just the sense of there has been no injuries that to, that have been reported which i think is also remarkable given that usually during the summer with workouts and stuff like that and given how covid has kind of messed up this uh the the way the routine of sorts that you would think you have guys have tweaked ankles or something but the fact that they've been able to work out together and not have any injuries and everyone's getting stronger together, I think, is something that is unique. Uh, it, it's something that is it, something to be heralded. And it's something that the you know coaching staff, the training staff should definitely take a bow for, because that's something that you rarely see in any sport where you just go through an entire preseason with nobody getting hurt.
2: I do want to say really, really quickly, Donald. Um, yeah, it's great that they haven't had any secretaries or trainers or coaches or anyone like that. They've tested positive that have had COVID. A, a, an aspect of that is luck. They're just they're just lucky That's, at this point. Absolutely. Because, <laughs> yeah, it, it's one thing for the players. I mean, the players are are pretty effectively walled off, you know, by staying at the Washington Duke. It's clear that they're t- treating the players like that. But once you get to those, the sort of the ancillary staff, th- those people are not walled off. They have lives. They go home every night to to their families. Um, they go out and about in public to do other different things. It's great that they are being careful. It's great that Duke has not had any positive tests. I want to be clear that an aspect of that is luck at this point because you can't see this thing coming.
0: Absolutely.
1: I'm totally with you, Donald, that, that the program should be commended just as any institution, any group that, that, that is managing this well should be commended. And to come back to my earlier point, any leadership that, that is watching all of this take note of, of places where, where this is being done well, learn from it and see if we can do better.
0: Okay, guys, that was, uh, I, like I said, there was a lot to unpack from that first segment. We're going to play you the second part that we plucked from Coach K's interview, but I think it's time for us to, it's a good time for us to pause for a quick break. On the other side, more with Coach K. Stick around. Okay, guys, we are back. We're breaking down a few nuggets from the Coach K interview from his media availability today. And in the second in the second segment we are going to react to, we get Coach K's thoughts from questions from Barry Jacobs and Jim Sumner that focus on this year's team, how they're shaping up, and his thoughts on who is starting to separate from the pack. Interesting question there. So here's Coach K on this year's team.
3: Well, my – Good to see you thanks barry
2: the, uh, last year at this time, you were describing your team as being old fashioned by the way it was constituted and how you were going to play and listening to the interviews with people from the program in the last couple of weeks it sounds like a very similar situation is Is that how you would describe it
3: i don't yeah I don't know what old fashioned means anymore uh uh but uh these kids are really together and we're athletic. We're young, we don't have as much separation from one to 11, but we're getting more. And the more we practice, they're making each other better. There's competition because when you go five on five, you're going against five other good, good players. And so, uh, and they love one another, they work hard, they're in the gym all the time. And then we are seeing some separation with, uh, like Matt Hurd has had a, a great. You know, just he's been terrific. He's 20 pounds heavier, confident. He he doesn't look like he should be as quick as he is, but he is. In the last two weeks, Wendell has really taken another huge step forward. Uh, Goldwire has been re- outstanding, and he was outstanding last year, and uh, uh, a kid that's really come on especially this week is Jeremy Roach and uh, but all of them have you know DJ you know Joey Baker uh, they've been they've been good uh, you know we have a lot of pieces and we're going to play a very up-tempo game and uh, fast-paced you know uh, Mark Williams is somebody that I don't we've never really had now he, he's young and he's always had some tendonitis, knee problems. But, uh, you know, he's 7'1 and with a 7'5 wingspan. And uh, so he can – he's been good too. There are a lot, a lot of good pieces. And so we'll be playing more people than we've normally played. But that doesn't mean it will be equal playing. You know, when you get separation, the guys who separate some need to play more, and they will. Thanks. Mm-hmm. We'll
0: go next to – Jim, go ahead.
2: Hey, Mike, good good to see you again. Um, if we, can we circle back to Joey Baker a while? Of, you were talking about how young the team was. Joey's all of a sudden a veteran. What are you seeing from him in practice? Is he ready to take the next step? up?
3: No, he's as committed as any kid. He lives in the gym. You know, he's that he, – in his role, whether he starts or not, he's got to be that spacer, that guy who, you know, you know, could knock down two, three, threes in a row. Uh, He's become more athletic, you know, and he works like crazy, competes like crazy, just, you know, uh, he's different than anyone we have. And then so when you have a different, when you're different in a good way on a team, you need to uh, really define that role for yourself so that whenever we need it and we should need it all the time, we know that we can depend on you to fulfill that role. So sometimes he has a tendency to try to do too much, which takes away from that. But that's a good thing because it, it, he just wants he wants to do more. Uh, all four of my upperclassmen, including our three walk-ons, have been unbelievably good with our young guys. I think uh, Jeremy had a little presser in the last couple of days where he talked about uh, the influence that Jordan has had on them. And I see that every day. Yeah, that, that's a good thing. We we have a good mojo going, you know, with our guys. And, you know, you all know from being on, I don't know how much Zoom you're on, I'm on a lot. You you are, if you're the person on Zoom, you're giving energy. You know, you're not, nothing against you all, but I'm not feeling as much back. But that's okay, it's, it's only for 30 minutes. But if you're doing this for a long time, it wears on you. And so when our guys got back and started working out, even my wife and my, uh, said, boy, you feel you, that you're different. I said, yeah, it's exciting. You know, I'm around, I'm around 18 to 22 year olds who believe in us and believe in me and are working their butts off and they're having fun. And not bad, you know, not bad. And, you know, it's always good The best is when a staff gives energy and players give energy back. And we got that going really, really well now. Not well, like it's been crazy good (laughs) in that regard. I'm very, very pleased with it. I look forward every day to being with these kids. All
0: right, that was Kay on this year's team and some of the names that are standing out in practice so far. Sam, I'll give you the first word on what you heard from Kay there.
1: Let's skip down the list a little bit and mention that Kay references Mark Williams yet again. We are hearing everybody talk about how great Mark Williams is and it's I unbelievable,
2: isn't it? It's unbelievable. It's
1: unbe- <laughs> I mean there there must be incredible stuff going on. The, the, I can only imagine how great the dunks are. I feel like there's got to be, there's got to be dunks in there. (laughs) He's he's yamming on
0: people for sure. He's
1: huge, right? He's, he's probably, he's probably pulling down ridiculous rebounds and making crazy dunks. And so my number one takeaway is I can't wait to see that. Now let's move on to the guys that we kind of expected to be near the top there. Matthew Hurt, right off the bat, is the guy that he mentions. We've said before, I think you guys were saying this weekend on the show that I wasn't on, that we have to strongly consider Matthew Hurt in basically every statistical category this year as being the leader. You know, he he, we know that not, he can not score. Assists.
2: Not assists, I think. <laughs> honestly, honestly, if
1: Matthew Hurt, it, it, it would not shock me if Matthew Hurt ended up getting three or four assists a game for Duke this year if he is as versatile offensively and if he's able to make those clear outs and 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 make the passes that that we think he can make, obviously, you know, it'll probably be one of the point guards. It'll it'll be Jordan Goldwire or or, or DJ Stewart. One of these guys might might do a better job of passing Jeremy Roach, who who Coach K mentioned has been coming on really strong and, and who we talked to the other day and sounds confident. But I wouldn't sleep on Matthew Hurt for anything. He, it seems like he is really driven and that he took this offseason very seriously. The last guy that I am excited to be excited about is Joey Baker. Coach K seems very confident that Joey Baker is having what I might call his glow up. You know, Matthew Hurt is 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 having the glow up this year. But I feel like we are going to see a lot of great stuff out of Joey Baker on offense and on defense. We know that he has the physical skills to to compete. He's big. He's rangy. Um he we we know that he can he can move pretty well. but seeing him put that all together, I think is going to be a huge boon for Duke and maybe not something that we anticipated a few months ago. Like looking ahead at this season, it was Joey Baker's there. He's on the wing. but but if he's starting and and playing twenty five or thirty minutes for Duke, then ah, uh, maybe that means the freshman didn't work out. and like maybe Duke is kind of going to their backups. No, I, I think we could be looking at this season and saying, this is the year that, that Joey Baker took a, a big leap.
0: So when it comes to Matthew Hurt, I'm just going to put this out here on episode 244. You're hearing it from me first. If any time during this season that Matthew Hurt has a game where he goes for 20 points, 10 rebounds and five assists, I will have a juicy Lucy. I feel like it's something that I can do. Uh, I, I'm willing to <laughs> accept this, this Burton, Uh, if it means Matthew Hurt is gonna be doing that, because it sounds like, I mean, universally, it sounds like this is what we can expect from him regularly. Not necessarily, you know, every single game, but something that 2010 and five is in the realm of possibility for him every single game. And if you have a guy going for 2010 and five, I don't care what level of basketball you're at, your team is going to be very good because you're gonna have someone that can shoot. You have someone that can play defense, be inside the paint and someone that can distribute the ball to other people to make things happen. We're going to need that from Matthew Hurt. And again, when you talk about other guys, he talks, you know, about some Joey Baker. He talked about Jalen Johnson, He talked about Mark Williams. I swear to you, if Mark Williams is, is this dude that everyone says he is, we are going to be the best team in basketball. I didn't say college basketball. I said basketball, because <laughs> if this man is going to be yamming on people every single game, like everyone's saying he's, he's doing in practice. I can't wait to watch this team. Jason, what did you have?
2: Uh, to me, the biggest thing was Coach K talking about the separation because this is the thing that we've been focused on. Gosh, it looks like there are 11 guys. You know, wow, is Duke going to play all 11? And I've been one of the big folks saying, oh, it feels like that's where things are. Coach K, I don't want to say he threw cold water on that, but he at least began to sprinkle some cold water on it. He said some separation is beginning to show up. And I think it's pretty clear from his comments, Coach K wants there to be separation. He wants to know who his four, five, six, seven, eight best guys are. It's not that he wants anyone to ride the bench. I don't think that for a moment. But Coach K wants competition to bring out the best in players and that separation is inevitable in a situation like that. I think it's very interesting that he, uh, you know, in, in addition, we talked about Matthew Hurt and, and Coach K talked about his confidence being the biggest thing. I think that's really, really important. Um, but, but his comments, you know, you said Wendell Moore has taken a huge step forward the past couple of weeks. That, that's big for this team. I, I think when you get guys like Hurt and Moore who were top 25 recruits, Matthew Hurt was borderline top 10 recruit, top 25 recruits who come back for another year of college basketball, that's a big deal for your program. So many of those guys we've seen year after year after year, they tend to leave. When they come back to play their sophomore season, they quite often take a huge leap. Think about the difference in Trey Jones as a freshman and Trey Jones as a sophomore. Think about Luke Kennard as a freshman and Luke Kennard as a sophomore. Grayson Allen barely played as a freshman and then was a 21-point-per-game monster, national player of the year contender as a sophomore. Here we have Matthew Hurt and Wendell Moore who are both coming back and Coach Kay's talking to us about how each of them have taken a step forward, how they've made a leap in recent weeks. That's a huge, that's huge for this program. I will not be at all shocked if both of those guys are in contention for first team all ACC. And, and then the other thing was, I loved at the very end of his comments, he was talking a little bit about, he was talking about Joey Baker, then he sort of segued to the whole team. and He talked about the energy that this team has, um, you know, because he was commenting, you know, Zoom calls and, and, uh, you know, we get fatigue from staring at our screens and that kind of thing. And he related it to basketball. And he said that this team has unbelievable energy and that it's energizing him and the coaching staff. That's, that's a great thing, obviously, for the program. It was clear from the way Coach K answered that question that he's been surprised at the amount of energy um, and camaraderie and the such that this team has generated. I have a feeling that they're going to be the kind of team that, that Duke fans are really going to fall in love with, uh, regardless of the results in the court, although I'm feeling more and more better about how the results in the court are going to turn out as well.
0: I mean, the energy part of that is interesting because in this era, where you're not going to have the energy of the fans in the stands that you know Cameron exudes, or any any team, right? Like every team, every team says that they have the best, you know, home court advantage in college basketball. That's crap. We, We have the best one in college basketball. But the fact that this team can generate their own energy without those fans means that if down the line. If, for some reason, you know we flip a switch and this you know pandemic like reaches a point where fans are allowed back in, oh my God, like no one's gonna want to play us ever. But the fact that this team can generate that energy, that's what always has been our Achilles heel is the fact that we can't we can't match the energy on the road, we can't match the energy of the other team. that's usually when we we know we're gonna falter. but if this year's team has that energy and it's already just like they're just we're just trying to make sure that we 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 hold them in until November 25th, then we let them loose on the world. Then that is going to be an absolute plus for this team, especially in an environment where everyone else is going to have to really work hard to generate that kind of energy.
1: It might be the business school student in me who believes in this, but I think that the current environment that we're in drives home, like the the people who are the people in programs that are going to be successful during this are the ones that have strong cultures and even though Duke basketball has a ton of turnover every year from guys leaving early from the draft, some guys transfer out because there isn't a space for them, the, the culture and that through line for Duke basketball is extremely strong, and, and Coach K has said it, a lot of the other players ha- have, have said it, it is, um, they, they are together and they are, and they are ready to compete together this season, and you can't really measure how important that is for the program.
0: We want to thank uh, Coach K and Duke basketball for their time today. It's always great to hear from the GOATs. So we're glad that he was able to come on. And Jason, we're glad that you were able to make it uh, to get us some of these nuggets. Before we get out of here, we wanted to touch on something that Duke fans should keep an eye on this year. We discussed a few episodes back, I want to say, about the NCAA granting an additional year of eligibility to all basketball players this year. And that could mean some all-time records could be in jeopardy, including one that has stood for 27 years. Jason, which record are we talking about and how serious is the threat to break it?
2: it, it it's a huge threat, and, and I am of the belief that this is, uh, from an individual standpoint, not from the standpoint of a team, obviously Duke has five national titles, which is a big deal for the team, but from an individual accomplishment standpoint, I believe that this is the greatest single accomplishment of any player at. Who has ever played for Duke, and that is the fact that Bobby Hurley holds the NCAA all-time assist record, uh, most assists in NCAA history. There are there are really three, maybe five, major statistical categories in basketball. There's of course points, rebounds, assists. You can include steals and blocks as well as the five major categories. But really, points, rebounds, assists are the three major categories in uh, in in basketball. And a Duke player, Bobby Hurley, is the career leader all time, forever, in assists. And as a result of the NCAA granting an extra year of eligibility, there are two players who are currently in college basketball right now, who are both seniors, um, who if they get that extra, that fifth year of eligibility, fifth year of playing, they could each potentially break Bobby Hurley's all-time record. The first of them is Pepperdine senior guard Colby Ross, just so you know bobby hurley and and i apologize folks get out a piece of paper and a pen there are gonna be some numbers coming your way here bobby hurley has 1076 career assists that is the all-time record 1076. by the way the number two person on the list is chris corciani of nc state number three is ed coda of unc all acc the top three nca career assist guys all from the acc but Bobby Hurley leads the pack with 1076 Pepperdine senior guard. Colby Ross has 647 in his career last season. He had 229 if he plays this year and next year and gets 229. Each of those two years, he would be 29 assists ahead of Bobby Hurley. Additionally, Cameron Langley of North Carolina. a and has 632 total assists. He had 247 last year. he keeps up this pace for two more years he would have more than 1100 total assists so if both of these guys if either of these guys if colby ross of pepperdine or cameron langley of NCANT play this season and next season it is highly likely they will threaten and perhaps pass bobby curley's career assist record now the one thing working in bobby's favor is we don't know what kind of season we're going to get this year we we know that they're going to play at the most 27 regular season games i think it's pretty likely that Pepperdine and NCA and T may be schools that don't get quite that many, you know, a power five school is going to try and play as close to 27 as they can. Smaller schools like this, you know, I don't know, maybe they end up playing 20, maybe even less than that. And, and literally every game that they don't play makes it harder and harder for them to catch Bobby. Um, so Bobby's got that working in his favor, but, but I just want to go on the record. It would be an abomination. It would be awful if Hurley's career record was eclipsed by someone who only did it because they got a whole extra year of playing? I I just think that would be wrong. And by the way, just really quick, I looked at some of the other major records. Uh, Pistol Pete Maravich has the all-time point scoring record. He he's in no danger of that being eclipsed by anyone who gets two extra years. Um, John Linahan of Providence is the all-time steals leader. I, there, there's a threat. There are a couple guys. A, a kid at Richmond, Jacob Gilliard, is a threat who could maybe. Uh, eclipse John Linehan's all-time steals record. Uh, the block shot record is owned by Jarvis Varnado of Mississippi State. He's also absolutely clear. And the all-time rebound record, Tom Gola of LaSalle, another guy who's quite safe. His record is, is far enough away that no one is going to, even with two years of play, no one's going to beat his record. The, the major ones that are, appear to be endangered are the steals record and the assist record, um, Bobby Hurley and John Linehan. Amazing accomplishments that could be eclipsed by someone who just happens to get an extra 20 or 30 games more than they did, which just seems unfair.
0: I mean, I will tell you this. Cameron Langley is nice. That dude is nice. I've seen a guy play several times for NCAA and T. That man is a monster and can distribute the ball very well. So uh, if I have to pull for someone to break the record, which I'm not. Uh, It would be him because he's really he's a really really good player. But when it comes to this, I mean, honestly, at this point, I feel like I'm just indifferent. It's it's at the sense of it's a great accomplishment. It's it's I thought a record that I thought would stand for a long time. I think the closest person to come to it in the last like 15 years was Cassius Winston from Michigan State who just who just graduated, and I think he was still like 200 shy of Bobby Hurley. This was a record that's supposed to be close to unbreakable. Uh and it would it it would make sense that COVID would help break a record, but honestly records are made to be broken. You want someone to push that envelope and I think Bobby Hurley would say the same thing. So as long as he's cool with it, I'm cool with it. Now, if he's upset, I'm upset and I'm upset for you. I'm upset with you. But if he's cool with it, Bobby, it's your record and and we'll know who the true assist king always will be.
1: Donald said it right that all these guys will say that they'll, they'll take the humble approach unless they're Michael Jordan or some other jerk. And they'll say the record was meant to be broken. Bobby Hurley will have held this record for almost 30 years if it gets broken this year. So we can, we can take the, the moment when when his record gets broken this year, to tip our hat once again to Bobby Hurley, it, it gives guys like us an opportunity to go back, watch some of the old tapes, uh, get excited about about how feisty and 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 rude Bobby Hurley was on the court. Maybe read some old stories about the shenanigans that he and Christian Leitner got up to. Celebrate the fact that he won two national championships at Duke and and nearly won a third and even a fourth. So. You know, fine by me, but but I agree with you, Jason. It is a little cheap that it's happening this way. But then again, you know, the, the, the season gets longer every so often. So so a lot of these records sometimes get broken just by the the sheer fact of, like, we play more games now than they did 30 or 40 years ago. So it happens.
0: Somewhere, somehow, Michael Jordan is trying to find an extra year of eligibility so he can come back and approach some records that he's close to but never actually broke. Because uh, that's the style. Don't
1: be... Don't be insecure like Michael Jordan. Yeah, that is, my, that is my main advice.
0: Yeah, and real quickly, I knew, again, I knew this wasn't the agenda, but I do want to go back to this baseball thing that that Sam brought up in the first segment because I, th- I think I need you guys to understand out there how ridiculous last night was, okay? So game six, World Series, possible closeout. It actually eventually was the closeout game for the LA Dodgers. Justin Turner had been tested the day before. They had an off day. They were tested the day before. The test did not come back until the second inning of the game. Now, the test came back inconclusive. Did they tell Justin Turner? No. Did they tell the Dodgers? No. Major League Baseball said, just run the other test. It'll be fine. So the lab... Despite the fact that a guy has an inconclusive test, it is now on the field. We do not know this as as fans. In the eighth inning, that second test came back positive. And that's when Major League Baseball was informed. And then Major League Baseball called the Dodgers dugout and said, you guys probably need to pull Justin Turner. So Justin Turner's pulled in the eighth inning is not explained why until after the game is over. They didn't ask what was going to happen if there was a game seven. They didn't ask what the protocol was and why someone with an inconclusive test was playing because before that's not how that was supposed to work. Chalking it up to the World Series, right? So then Justin Turner posts a tweet after the game saying, man, I wish I could have celebrated with everyone uh, and then literally put his phone down and ran back on the field to celebrate. I don't understand. We, we, baseball entered this way and it's almost fitting that the end of the season came with a positive test, and them just kind of saying, eh, that's that's too bad. But the fact is, a guy that has a positive test that has not been cleared was running around without a mask on the field last night, not just infecting his team, not just sitting next to Dave Roberts, who had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma 10 years ago and is a cancer survivor, but also was infecting the families that were on the field celebrating too. This is a big problem, and the fact that they treated it like a nosebleed is astounding to me, even as the season's over. NCAA, I know there's issues going on with regards to college football. I know the Big Ten is having now some issues with postponed football games, and you're trying to figure out what to do with basketball. Please, I beg you, do not be Major League Baseball when you make these decisions, because if you are, we will roast you. This podcast will dedicate itself to making sure you understand how messed up that is.
1: You all know. What a big baseball fan. I mean, if you listen to this show, you know that I'm a huge baseball fan. I am not above criticizing any and all institutions that I even notionally support if I think that they are doing the wrong thing. I have said that I think that Duke is doing a good job through all of this coronavirus stuff. I was a student on campus when the pandemic started. I am not anymore, but I'm now an alum again. I, I will criticize at, at, at any opportunity if I feel it is necessary. Major League Baseball, you done screwed up. So, so don't do it again. Or I guess they now have time, but yeah, Donald, thank you for, for sharing that again and highlighting it.
0: Not, not a problem. This is what we do here. Sometimes we, we have to go on rants. Sometimes we talk about, sometimes
1: sometimes we just got to tell the people what we think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's what you're going to learn. And that will do it for this episode 244 of the Duke basketball report podcast. A reminder out there, subscribe, tell your friends, rate and review. And if your review is good, you know we will highlight it on a future show. If you have questions, don't forget we love getting emails, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you once again to Duke Basketball for making Coach K available today. Thank you to my co-partners in crime, Jason Evans and Sam Klein. And for those two, I am Donald Wine. We will let the Duke fan take us home.